I was eight years old when I first learned what fear was. At the time, I had a pretty unique family situation. I lived with my grandmother, my uncle, and my cousin, the son of a different uncle. See? Unique. We lived in Chicago in a house that was built in the early 60s, so it wasn't terribly old. However, being close to where the Great Chicago Fire started, and in, you know, Chicago, the land itself had plenty of history. My uncle and cousin slept in the basement, which was semi-furnished with three rooms. My uncle was in the process of moving in with his new wife, so there were randomly stacked boxes in his area of the basement. One day, my cousin's father, my other uncle, came over for a visit. He had planned to take my cousin out to a ball game on the north side. I, naturally, wanted to go with my cousin to the game, totally not getting that this was supposed to be his time with his dad. For lack of a better term, I was being a brat, crying, stomping, begging to go with them. My cousin, ever the clever one, said, Jill, you can come with, but go down to my room and grab my hat for me. I forgot it. He hadn't even finished the sentence before I was running for the stairs. I had to go down a flight, turn a corner, go through my uncle's room, and then into my cousin's room at the very back. It wasn't until I had rushed through the basement, somehow managing not to trip over any boxes, and made it to my cousin's room, that I realized his hat was already on his head. They were long gone by then. His room was located right next to a room that was being used for storage, a room the kids were not allowed inside. From what I'd been told, that was where my grandmother stored some antiques from her childhood. So of course, my ADD having ass went in there. I was alone in the basement, which was honestly rare, so it wasn't like I would have a chance like this again. Might as well make the most of it. When I went in, I made sure to close the door behind me in case of adults and started my snooping. I didn't find anything cool though, just old furniture and clothes. You know how in movies, when you see kids go into their basement, they always find those trunks filled with some previous family's treasures? None of that. The most interesting thing I saw was this super old sewing machine, the kind with the iron wheel. For whatever reason, I felt like I had to go over and touch that wheel. When I did, it was hot. Like, I pulled my hand away and yelped kind of hot. Obviously, at this point, I should have left. Instead, I touched the wheel again. But this time, it wasn't hot. It was cold, like iron normally is. Normal is boring, so I turned around to leave and saw that the door was wide open. I started freaking out, not because of ghosts, but because I thought I had been caught in the forbidden room. I can't say I'm proud of what I did next. I hid in a pile of clothes and waited. As I watched the door, I felt something push my back. I looked behind me, but there wasn't anything there. When I turned back toward the door, it was closed again. My assumption was I was in the clear, so I stepped out of the clothes to leave when I heard my name. Jillian Marie? That's how my name was called whenever I was in trouble but also soft, like when you think you hear your name being called in a crowded room. I was more than ready to get out of there by then. I made my way to the door, but now it was hot. Like in the fire safety videos where they say don't open the door if the wood's hot kind of hot. I got a lump in my throat and my eyes started burning. 
I was definitely about to cry. I touched the door again, not hot, but it wouldn't open either. I pushed it, I kicked it. No matter what I tried to do, it wouldn't open. Jillian Marie? At this point, I was full on crying. When I looked around the room again, the light turned on. It was one of those dangling lights where you have to pull the chain for it to come on. I couldn't even reach the chain. Against one of the bare white concrete walls across the room, I saw what I thought was my shadow. But how could my shadow be all the way on that wall when the light was directly above me? Then, in the shadow, I saw two spaces that allowed light where eyes should be. And one of those eyes winked at me. I started screaming and the door flew open. The light still on, my uncle pulled me out. He had been picking up the rest of his boxes when he heard me crying. I was still sobbing when he asked what was wrong and how I turned on the light. I tried to tell him everything, but he just thought it was me trying to get out of punishment for being in there. After that, I never went into that room again. Not even eight years later when my grandmother passed away. I told the rest of my family they had to clean it without me. Guess who got the sewing machine anyway? Thank you, Jillian, for that terrifying submission. I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm a suddenly panic-stricken Michael Tatum. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly panic-stricken? Well, it built. Okay. I was fine before you read that story. (laughs) Just normal? (laughs) I was perfectly in a normal, low-grade panic. As no, my normal course. state of being, You've and now struck. I'm a full-on panic struck. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that. And this is Ghoul Intentions. <laughs> Today's episode is titled Wild Beast or a God, uh, which comes from a rather old quote from Aristotle. It's old? Very old. From Aristotle. Aristotle, yeah. What a surprising yeah, thing. ancient Greek. Now I am <laughs> panic-stricken. <laughs> <laughs> the Greeks panic you? Ancient was an old time. That's funny, the word panic actually comes from the ancient Greek. You would fucking know that. It it relates to the god Pan. (laughs) Um, Oh, right, that's right. Because Pan, the feeling of utter terror. Let me be clear, I knew that because you have told me that before. (laughs) It's not like I just randomly know that fact. I don't know, it's weird. I'm the kind of guy that that shit comes up around, I suppose. But yeah, Pan. And mine is like Kardashian. Color knowledge. That's not entirely we true. Cover, we cover the full spectrum. We do. We've talked about this. We're great yeah. at trivia. And I, yeah, <laughs> we really are. We are great to take to bars on trivia night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so the word panic comes from the ancient Greek uh, and it refers to the god Pan because he was the sort of god of nature, but also the, the baser side of, <clears> of, uh, of human beings and, uh, you know, their lust and their terror and that kind of thing. And so um, the feeling people got when they kind of walked out of civilization into the wilderness where they were at risk, filled them with panic, the feeling of terror that comes specifically from that kind of environment. So panic was was meant to, to denote the kind of anxiety that comes from like really uncanny situations. Right. And especially um, as though a god were about to strike those fucking mm. assholes. <laughs> um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, which is part of like this whole theme is about being alone and that kind yes. of panic when you are alone. Mm-hmm. I love how she's like, I'm about to cry. It's about to happen. This is a real fear. I'm about to cry. 
Um, right now, though, what's great is we're doing this podcast, and it's a really overcast and rainy day. Mm -hmm. It's starting to get mm -hmm. dark here in Dallas, um, and it's it's pouring and chilly, so. It really is appropriate. Like it it's sets the mood in a way that that we couldn't have done ourselves. That's right. And Cheers we're good. to the Cheers. mood. Cheers. Today we Clap. are drinking Irish mules. Mm -hmm. um, I think last time it was a Kentucky mule. Yeah, it was bourbon. Was, and then yeah, bourbon. I said today whiskey it's, later, it's... so nobody judge me for that. I had had several Kentucky mules at that point. <laughs> <laughs> this is made with uh, Jameson, Jameson, so it makes it an Irish mule. Yes, exactly. Which is very good. Exactly. I guess so. I guess what makes it a mule is the fact that it's lime. And um, tonic, or not tonic, no, uh, um, uh, ginger, beer. Um, ginger beer, ginger beer, ginger beer. Right. I've had one or two of these already. And he's making them, which means they're super strong because he's am... making it for people over six feet. I thought you were saying people over 60. That's where I thought you were going with this. I'm like, what the hell are you trying to say? <laughs> it depends on the person. No judgment. Uh, I'm sure people over 60 <clears throat> would have to have a doctor's note to drink these if I made them. Make one for my mom, let's see what happens. She would smell it and be tipsy. It would be super fun. <laughs> so my mom's the same way. Oh, that would be great. Oh my god. Um, <sighs> so yeah, wild beast or a god. The, the, the oh, quote yeah. comes from Aristotle, who, who famously said uh, that um, for a, a, anyone who enjoys... So I'm paraphrasing, because of course I don't uh, read ancient Greek, but he said... Um, anyone who anyone I, Yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyone who enjoys solitude, he said, is either a wild beast or a god, um, which I don't know that I agree with that, but I love right. the imagery, so we're gonna stick with that because today's stories are largely about people that experience something in solitude, mm -hmm. which is often the case with yeah. ghost stories, which makes them so hard to talk about and because proof, you're the only right? one there and prove because you're the only one there and you're always terrified that someone's gonna think you're crazy and it's- Or that it's... you are actually, like you think you are. Crazy. Well, I'm never so. terrified that I'm crazy. I know that I'm crazy, so well, that, not fear like is, you, that fear like is coming you, but like you. I guess Other general, general. Oh, okay, I guess Other not. people doubt themselves, Michael. It's, it's like a thing. It's not all about me. Sure. <laughs> 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 so, what was, okay, so what struck you? What was the scariest part of that? That you would find, as an eight-year-old, what would have made you start crying? Oh, I definitely the shadow. The, the detail of the right. shadow, but you know, but the sewing machine, it's funny because I, in, in, um, a sewing machine figures pretty largely in a, in a ghost story that I was told by a good friend of mine that happened when she was, you know, six or seven, something mm -hmm. like that. And so Five that, to eight, those are the freaky years. They are, they really That's are. when the shit goes down. Um, but it was, it was one of those old sewing machines with the iron wheel and that had like mm -hmm. the, the, the foot controlled the foot pedal. pedal. It was like a singer sewing machine with like the the painted inlay and stuff, like really fancy stuff, I really expensive piece of furniture. Which is why they're so they're often heirlooms, is because that was one of the most expensive pieces in, in a house in those days. It was well, it made all the things. It did that you did. It did, but it was it was a major purchase, so they tended to stay in the family like a piano. I or, have my grandmother's. Or something like it's that, literally yeah. right next to you. I know, and it kind of freaks me out. He's not looking at it. He's refusing to look over at it. Because now it just dawned on me like I'm sitting next to the fucking thing we're talking about. It's folded into the table. Your mug's on top of it. You're going to have to look that way. I'm not going to have to. I'm going to feel for it. This is amazing. He's reaching behind I'm reaching. Where is it? It's a cup. There you go. Okay, now that's a cold. I'm touching a cold thing. Please tell me that it's my mug and not something else. The table that the sewing machine is a lot of them did this. It folds down into the table, so it just looks like a little desk. Please tell me that the thing I am touching right now is my cold 
Irish mule mug and not something dead? I'm not going to answer that question. You are a terrible friend. I know! <laughs> <laughs> he had to look. It was fine. It was his mug. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm... Uh, I'm really compelled by stories that um, revolve around objects, you know, antique mm-hmm. objects mm-hmm. and stuff. I don't know what it is about. But, I, you know, when I go to, uh, Brandon and I, uh, my, my now fiance. I know, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. It literally just happened a few days ago. I'm wearing this ring now. We're in I'm, France. I have to get, we're in Paris, France. There's Paris. videos online. It'll it's, make you cry. It's, oh, it's the gayest Alexis thing in the world. Alexis and I watched it. it is, it's quite gay <laughs> it's because so there are good. two men getting engaged. Um, in Paris, in, in front Paris, of a bookstore, yeah. in the shadow of Notre Dame. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that gay. I didn't know. It was so gay. Um, Alexis and I, though, we watched the video together, and both of us were a mess in the studio. It was great. It was great. I'm but so, so we spent we were we were about nine days in Paris last week, um, and we spent a lot of time in museums because we love museums. And yes. we anybody went who to... follows your Instagram may have noticed. <laughs> may have noticed just picture after picture. And we went to the Louvre. It was titty after titty. <laughs> Exquisitely painted titties. Exquisite titty uh, <laughs> after exquisite titty. Which pretty much describes the pre-Raphaelites. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that's a highbrow joke, boys and girls. I know, I like how you elevate uh, me. But <laughs> you lift me up. Anyway, so, uh, you know, in the Louvre, which is the you know, one of the largest <clears throat> museums in the world, you cannot go through it and conceivably and look at everything in even a couple of days. You need a week. And we went back several times. But there's there's an area where there is ancient Greek sculpture and ancient uh, Mesopotamian artwork and mm-hmm. Egyptian artwork and all that. And I, I'm drawn to titties, all these things. Titties, 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 mummies. But what I'm really Mummified titties. drawn to are these objects, like things like combs or mirrors or pieces of jewelry, everyday objects that people use used and handled because it's one thing to see a sarcophagus and know that cool people handled this for about a week and then it was buried forever right Um, or a piece of art where it's somebody like one person made this which mm -hmm. is incredible but like they were making art and going out of the way but right but these little things like combs or whatever in this case of this story um a sewing machine that's you know it, it was a fact of everyday life that these people touched and looking and kind of just being in the room with something that old that you know that people had an everyday relationship with is really humbling in a way that mm-hmm. I, uh, so it's it's not surprising to me that ghost stories often grow out of those objects because I think if you have any imagination or any sensitivity whatsoever, you can't help but look at a chair that you know is older than you are and think of all the people that have sat there and mm-hmm. what's happened in that chair, what thoughts have been hatched while someone's sitting there. Has anyone died in that chair? I mean, you know, my uh, that's just the kind of line that my mind usually takes. So I am really fascinated by ghost stories surrounding objects and they often do yeah in some way right uh so i even have my my great great grandparents spectacles that's how jack says it he's like (laughs) where are my spectacles uh but their their eyeglasses he does (laughs) (laughs) spectacles 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 but uh you know it's just so strange to think wow like somebody generations ago wore this and what is like what is the you get a feeling from them there's just i don't know for me it's comforting because of that particular piece of it's a connection yeah it's a connection you know the past when you think about the things in your own life though that are new to you and think about wow this this thing i'm using that i don't really think about because it's just there all the time like you know a, a you know an ice scoop or mm-hmm. or you know a dog cup or something scooper. a dog food scooper you don't think about those things outliving you 
right. they inevitably will. Right. Um, at least some things. Something. The plastic will. dog food scooper is probably not going to last this year. <laughs> not not with not with our dogs. There's not as much permanence um, now as there used to be. There there really isn't. And I wonder. You know, that's a good point. I wonder if this kind of lack of permanence in modern clothing and modern design generally comes from this kind of unconscious need to not be outlived by the things you use because we're kind of terrified by that concept. I wonder. Oh. That's, I, 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 I just, just think people don't give a shit anymore. Hey, well, that's, al you don't, that's every, also things true. Things are way more disposable. You don't have to make something to last 30 years. It's like, I mean, people don't even buy their homes for forever. It's like, well, this will be a good five years. Blah, that's blah, true. Blah. We're very, we're very fly by night now. Yeah, our um, copper mugs might make it. Our copper mug, it, like, right, could you imagine this being in a museum? Yes. Or so, yeah, I, yeah, I could. I These hope. are the mugs they used, you guys, <laughs> to record in cool intentions. intentions. <laughs> Their lips. They're haunted. Untouched. Oh, we would totally. I haunt would totally haunt this mug. Yeah. We talk a lot about us haunting things <laughs> in this podcast. Uh, well, I, I mean, it. it's inevitable. We're gonna think about okay. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I was really. Now, what about you? What What were you moved by that story? Like the what name calling. Is? Yeah, when something knows your name. Right, and you know, definitely the wink of the shadow at the end, that always creeps me out, the idea of a shadow having eyes. Because you hear that a lot in stories, where it's like, there was a shadow and it was staring at me. And I'm always like, how do you know that shadow's staring at you? It's <laughs> right, a shadow, right, right. it is black, it is dark, <laughs> it is shaded in, it is the very thing that you can't see. So how do you know it's staring at you? How right. do you know it's looking at you? But when it's like, oh, I could see through the eye hole section, oh. well, fuck that shadow. And that it was all the way across. I mean, it's all very creepy. But the thing about a name, like, have you ever been in your home? And I, this is a sensation. It's a brain thing that happens. And you hear your mom call your name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's always like, what, what, what? And it's just a weird yeah, auditory. Just, um, yeah. Brief science. science. <laughs> we'll edit in science right here. I'm sure we will. We'll just go. We'll figure it out. I'll record it later. We'll totally edit in science. We'll find the Linnaean term for this phenomenon. And yeah, I'm pretty sure really the technical term uh, is actually science. So, <laughs> but it's that kind of thing. And it's always a little, oh, what? But then to hear your name called in a particular style, like, you're in trouble. Like you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, I never heard in it. in trouble name. Yeah. I never heard it in trouble. I always heard it as you know, Jamie, like, you know, hey, come here. Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't mm -hmm. shame on you or anything like that. It definitely would have been Jamie Lynn. Usually it's just Jamie. <laughs> you know, when you get in trouble, it's your first and middle. What did you, oh John my Michael. God. John Michael. They would just no. call you John Michael. <laughs> they would not say my entire name. That would have been I don't hilarious. I think anyone in my family knew my entire name after yeah, the first Yeah, everything year. but like, Tatum. Uh, 47 like, names. <laughs> I have a lot of, I was born with a lot of names. You get, well, I wasn't we born, born with them. We weren't born with them. I was given those names by a very eccentric family. And, I want to uh, have Brina tell me that once because she knows all the names. She's she knows all the mind. names, and she actually wrote a little song. Song about it, but I want to hear in Palestrinian her, counterpoint. I want to hear her say it like you're in trouble. That's my new thing. You can't say that. You can't say all my names like I'm in trouble because you lose your wind halfway through and just start laughing at the absurdity if of what's anybody, coming out of your mouth. If anybody in this world can do it, it's Brina Palencia. I, if anyone can, but that's a big if. <laughs> I believe. We'll get back to you and let you know. But anyway, the name calling really, really got to me. End the week. Name of the week, and it's just a lot of elements to that story, and that also the temperature changing, like touching the wheel and it being hot and then yeah. cold, that comes up a lot in ghost yeah. stories. And where also temperature basements. seems to play a role. Fucking base. Hashtag fucking basements. That's another <laughs> ba file. Basements and attics. Basements and attics. Crawl spaces. Terrifying shit happens mm -hmm. there. 
And and I guess, you know, again, in keeping with this theme of like, you know, how many objects, we store so much stuff. Basements and attics generally are for where you store things that you don't use or that you want to forget, but you're not ready to let go of now. So they're yeah. kind of a potent metaphor for the human brain and that part of our brain that we just kind of file stuff away in and be like, well, we don't remember it, but it's, it, right. it, it, it signifies suppression. Yeah, we talked about that in the last Yeah, in the last and so it's interesting how, and again, this is, this is another example of how houses, uh, you know, where we dwell, where we live, where we spend the majority of our time become expressions of us in ways that we're not that we don't think about. It's right. why when they, it's why when they're invaded by another presence or something otherworldly, why it's so affecting. You know, when you see a ghost somewhere that's not your home, it's uncanny and it can be a terrifying experience. But when but you, you feel leave. it's in your house, exactly. Yeah. When you feel it's in your house, it it changes how you look at this thing that defines who you are. Right. Uh, in some ways, because I mean, it's just a, a house is an extension of your own sense of self. Whether you mm -hmm. know it or not. And like the basement. Oh, I, yeah, you definitely. Know, yeah, I mean, I know that a lot of people are like this too. If my house is a mess, I'm a mess. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. if my life is going crazy, my house is also crazy. Yeah, cluttered so, space, cluttered mind. Exactly. You know? um, so just like clean your house and you'll feel better about everything. Um, <laughs> is that the moral of the story? <laughs> that's the moral. That's the moral of really, the whole. We labored toward that moral. Cast. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the, oh, what was I going to say? Damn you, Jameson. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be your in trouble name, is just Jameson. Jameson. Jame it kind of sounds like Jamie Lynn if I were slurring my words. Jameson. Jameson. It's good. good. But I, I want to, I want to come back to this whole idea of, of objects from yeah, the past, antiques, um, or or places or whatever that that you come into contact with and you feel. Do you ever like? Have you ever gone to an antique shop, for example, or something, mm -hmm. and seen something and just gotten a weird sense from it that you couldn't place, or felt like I should put this down? This isn't mine. Yeah, like you were intruding on someone else's territory. Yes, in have fact, we done? have a. I have, and we have a friend who is very sensitive to to the spirit world, or other people would say they're, he's sensitive to spirit. Um, they'll he'll go to. Um, still go antique shopping which is strange to me and every once in a while he'll send me a picture of something and be like i can't buy this and there's no explanation <laughs> it's just like i can't buy this this is weird i can't get this one I and i'm always like this. then you don't sir <laughs> like I, can't, I can't touch this coke bottle from the 1920s right um but yeah the there is something to say. and it's crazy too because you can totally go on ebay and buy haunted dolls haunted whatever find yeah. a haunted thing to buy uh and I, I mean, I am not into that. Like why, I have enough trouble. I'm, you know, and, and dolls are easy. It's easy for me to see why people think dolls are often haunted dolls. because they're creepy. Dolls I are very creepy and they're uncanny. Dolls. But what's more interesting for me are the just everyday kind of completely innocuous objects that people find are haunted, like a sewing machine. What's scary about a sewing machine? Really, I mean, like objectively, it, you know, I, I'm not to say that there are people out there that don't have a, a weird fear of sewing machines, but I imagine it must be pretty rare. It's just an object. It's just, you know, it's like a washing machine or, or a plate you know it's not something we associate it doesn't look up like a person like a doll is so there's nothing there's no uncanny valley there so i tend to buy stories about haunted objects like that more than i buy stories about like haunted dolls because it's easy to be scared by a doll it i think absolutely um, so it's easy for your imagination to run wild but when it comes machines to a doll don't have eyes 
No. But so, so for something you. to be attached to a sewing machine, that's an unusual thing for someone, for the, the imagination to pin anything on. Or, so for well, me, when, when something happens to that person, like it feels to me more authentic right. because it's an unlikely thing to be haunted. I don't feel though that this thing was attached to a sewing machine. I think that it was using the sewing machine. Mm. It maybe, wasn't maybe. actually attached. It was in the room itself. Well, there, and there were a lot of things in that room. A right. lot of antiques, right? And just based upon there was discussion about the land of Chicago, like, what? Fucking Chicago? Of course it's haunted. I lived in Chicago for a year. I was right down the street from, uh, what is it? The Green Mile? The Green Mill? The Green... I can't remember. But the Green just... Green? No, no, no. It was a bar. Like a mobster oh, bar. Oh, oh, oh. I can't remember what it's called. People don't get mad at me um, for not remembering. But I lived not too far from there. There was a cemetery like across the street from that. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it was over by, um, it was in the north side. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was times to like Chicago spoke to me. It was it's a very loud spiritual Paris city, spiritually like a very loud city. Whereas like New York doesn't. I don't get now maybe because most of the time I'm staying in Manhattan. And uh, it's like the soulless place in the world, so <laughs> you don't get a lot from there. But or is Chicago it so busy and it's so active? You know, it it kind of drowns out anything. That's true. But Chicago is um, very active. But I also like living wise active. But I feel like when I lived there, there was just a lot of hmm. spiritual connectivity that you don't well, get. Who knows? You know, sometimes you can just be in a certain place in your life where you're sensitive to certain areas and not others. You know, I. Uh, when I was in Paris this past week, I felt mm -hmm. a lot of that. I felt a lot of like, oh, I just get this real sense of not being alone, you know? Right. Which, of course, I'm looking on this street where I'm shoulder to shoulder with 500 people as we walk down this very narrow lane. So, of course, I'm not alone. But I mean, in a sense of like, wow, there's there's more people here than I can see, is right. the sense, you know? Did you, because I know you've been before, but the first time you were there, did you ever get this sense like I've been here before? Uh, to Paris? Yeah. This was my first time to go. This was my first but time. But you're France. <laughs> Sorry. For those who don't know, Michael's in a show where he plays France. Yes, it's true. Uh, and like I, and he I'm, plays the entire country as I'm, one person. It's very stereotypical and amazing. Yes, and, and you wrote, well, you wrote the adaptation. That for might it, be why I, I like so, it so much. And it's a great show. It's really funny. Uh, and I'm semi-fluent in French, and I've been to France, but I'd never somehow been to Paris. Really? So did you feel that way? Did you feel like I've yes, walked on these streets yes, before? Yes. That doesn't surprise me When we me went into the catacombs. You were the like, cat I'm, we went to the catacombs. I Brandon have I, multiple skulls inside we, this thing. We, right, I felt like this is mine. <laughs> this is that's this my that's, that's my femur. My femur. <laughs> uh, the catacombs were interesting. So Brandon and I wanted to view them, but it's such a tourist trap that it's easy to get stuck in line for hours just to go in. Yeah. So we we splurged and we did a private tour where a tour guide, what they call them. Um, well, we were very lucky. We, we did so much traveling for, for work that we didn't have to buy our plane tickets. We just cashed in our miles for it. So we had a lot of play money. It sounds very fancy it, to me. It is very fancy. But <laughs> So we, we paid for a private tour, and we got to go mm. into some of the ossuaries that are not open to the public. And I will tell you, shout out to Viator. V-I-A-T-O-R. Yes. I used that, and I recommended it to Brandon. Yes, uh, yes. And, and that's where we got the tour. The tour guide not only gave us a tour of places, she came to our hotel to meet us and escort us to an alternate entry mm -hmm. point into the catacombs. Right, and when the I catacombs went are to... like 30, you know, th uh, 300 kilometers of underground tunnels, and, and there's portions of it that are dedicated to human remains from various cemeteries that were moved when they became overpopulated. Right. When I went to, I want to go back to Viator for a little bit. Uh, yeah, Viator, I don't know how you say it, V-I-A-T-O-R. 
Um, it probably is something very obvious that I'm just not catching. But we used it when we went to Italy last year. And when we, like, we did a tour where we took scooters through the hills of Tuscany. It was amazing. We visited Pisa, did a, uh, which is where I got engaged, fancy. <laughs> um, we did a, uh, a, a vineyard tour. We did uh, two different uh, tours on a golf cart of Rome. We did our Vatican tour. All of that was through them and they do smaller tours, more intimate tours. We did a ghost tour on Friday the 13th in October last year oh. in Rome. So I highly recommend them just as a side note, we could not have had these experiences without that. That uh, this is very true. Yeah, and I'm, they're not paying me. I just love them so much. Yeah, no, they're not. If they would like to pay <laughs> me, I would say this like every time. But, but we would say it anyway because like, it was really good. It was so good. Our, yeah. our tour of the catacombs was almost a three-hour tour, and it was one of the most profound experiences of my life because there was yeah. no one else around. We we got to go into areas where it was just the three of us, me, Brandon, and our tour guide, Theo. It gives me goosebumps. Leo, her, excuse me, her name was Leo. Uh, Eleanor. Her name was Eleanor, but she went by she Leo. She goes by Leo because she's French. Yeah. She was awesome, too. She'd been exploring the catacombs for 10 years. Not all, of, not all of those explorations technically legal, I would imagine. And you just outed her. I, I, no, she didn't say this. I'm just assuming because she knew things. But I mean, this is this is a woman who loved the catacombs and had a real sense of uh, sacristy and humility with them because she was She was very... a member. Like, what do they call themselves? Cataphiles. Cataphiles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So after we had that little tour, we would walk down the street to go shopping or something, and we'd see little tents, you know, set up in certain areas, and we're like, I wonder if that's a catafile. Because they typically will set up tents so and just It sounds like dig. they just like to have sex there with There are cats. people in... <laughs> and that's not okay. Well, but that's not what they call cats in France. Cats are they call it the catacombs in shot. France? Well, yeah, but the cats... Is, wanna... catacomb... Is catacomb a French word? It's not a French word, but it's, it's a Latin word, but it's what they call them in France. They just call them the catacombs. All right, I'll allow it. But cats... The creature cats are called chat. So you, you would be chat? Shat. <laughs> yeah, which is so if you wanted to fuck cats, you'd be a shatophile. <laughs> <laughs> what if you wanted to fuck shit? <laughs> uh, Murderphile? Then that just sounds like you want to murder God, there's just endless <laughs> opportunities for misunderstanding sorry. here. But <laughs> we will go down this rabbit hole later. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um But the catacombs are, you know, fascinating because one, they're, 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 they're just old, old as, almost as old as civilization. I mean, they were built in Roman times. Possibly, or there are portions that might even be earlier than that. And they go for miles. And we were yeah. talking over 300 kilometers of underground tunnels. How far is that in um, this, the United States language? I don't know. Of math. A lot of miles. Over 100. Well over 100. Okay, thank you. So we're talking about I'm sorry, Europeans. We're disgusting Americans. And we don't know your metric system. You know, because we don't know your sick it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And we don't do well with we sense. Obviously, uh, our country is not great with logic right now. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> Go vote. Slow, yeah. vote. Please, please. Half of our country is just fine on logic. <laughs> the other half? Mm. Anyway, so... And what I love about that is... 50% of the people are going to be think that's me and the other 50% are going to be like that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Democracy in action. Woo! Anyway, so the catacombs were getting to see them when we weren't part of a large tour so we weren't part of this crush of people going in to see them. We got to be by ourselves in there. And the unearthly quiet of being underground and in in the catacombs where you maybe hear water dripping maybe and just being around all these bones i mean there are over there are ninety thousand people 
whose remains are in the catacombs. Over 90,000, actually. Um, which boils down to, when you see how many bones are on the human body, that's like over 18 million bones. And what they did, there's no one died down there necessarily, except some workers died in cavens and things like that. But like, it's not, it was not a burial site. It was a place where, um, when cemeteries became over full, like I think the first one was the cemetery uh, de Innocence, which just became so full that neighbors were having issues with their water tables and going, hey, yeah, like dead people are in my basement because the walls cave in and the, the, you got to do something about this. So they decided, you know, we have to do something with it. Well, half of these catacombs under the city, let's just move the bones there. So they spent about six years. Uh, unearthing these mass graves because back in the day if you were poor and couldn't afford a headstone or something or any kind of memorial they would just put you in a mass grave that was open all the time because people were dying so often yeah that it was just we'll just leave it open you know and so people were stacked dozens deep uh frequently and had no name and so they would just take these bones and, all i can think uh, of right now is that movie mass grave have you seen it so mm -mm. Anyway, sorry. If anybody knows it, mass grave. Oh, mass grave. Oh. oh gosh, this guy just wakes up in the middle of a mass grave. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a fear of mine. It's a great actually. movie, though. It's a weird fear to have. I know, but it, especially in modern times. But it's a weird fear. Uh, but it's a fear. Well, um, once you see it, you'll be like, oh yeah, this is a rational. Like I would definitely be terrified. Being yeah. buried alive or finding myself in, amid a bunch of dead bodies. I'm gonna stop different. interrupting you. Continue. I'm sorry. I forgot I was going with this, but it, so so all these uh, remains were dug up and re-consecrated and by priests working in secret because they didn't want public opinion to kind of, you know, people that lived near the cemetery were like, yeah, please do, get the fuck out of here. But people everywhere else would have been horrified at the idea. To know that they were separating people's bones and stacking them in fashionable yeah. ways underneath the city? Well, they stacked them in ways that were more supportable. So like when you go to the catacombs, you'll see femur bones make up these barriers. Then behind them, all manner of other bones are thrown behind them. So the there. lesson is organization can be fashionable. Well, and now, and even our uh, Leo, <laughs> Leo so was great. telling us that families still come down there and leave roses in sections because there are markers to denote where these bodies came from. Stick them in someone's skull, like, like here, right through the here eye in hole. this hallway is where you know here in this hallway is where the people from the uh, Renaissance came from here because there's about I think there's nine or ten major did, cemeteries. Did you just still. say Renaissance? De Innocence. De Innocence, which is the Innocence, which is the name of the first cemetery that was on Earth. Oh, I thought he said Renaissance very fancily. <laughs> Renaissance. Yeah, I thought he was, he was um, going that route. I'm glad that I clarified. That. But yeah, so being around all these bones <laughs> and just realizing, you know, it just made me... The very next day we went to Versailles. Oh my god, I saw those pictures, I Which hate you. just pissed me off because like, as humbling as an experience to see all these human remains, just anonymous human remains hanging out in Then you in see the filth. And then you see this... this this gilded monstrosity that is Versailles. That's and how I felt at the Vatican. I was so disgusted. I just thought to myself, I'm like, Jesus, yeah, how is there ever this much money in the world, let alone belonging to just a handful of people? Right. And uh, so I hated cake, it. I hated obviously. it. And that's not to say, right? And that's not to that say that Versailles was... They could just was, take a shit on the floor if they had to go. They did they, all the time all in the Versailles. Time. Peed like, shit everywhere because they were, they were savages. They were savages, Jamie. And so, <laughs> many, so many clothes. All of like 50 pounds of clothes. I don't know what that is in the metric system, but 50 pounds of clothes, <laughs> shit in yourself, piss yeah. in yourself, but gross. Those have got to be haunted by the stains of our forefathers. Anyway, <laughs> we should probably move on to another story. Oh, you're story. right. You're right. <laughs> we're gonna, Sorry. We're gonna talk about, we can do a whole episode on this stuff. So this is funny. So speaking about like the past and objects. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. From our ancestors and places in particular, and not the um, United, and people who use the metric system. 
This, <laughs> true. What's our system called? It's, uh, I think it's just, uh, oh fuck, I should know this. Isn't it just standard? It's called standard, standard. weirdly. I'm gonna look it up. Um, look it up, because now I. It's Imperial. I should have known that. We should have known. I'm surprised you didn't. Which is also called standard though, isn't it? On the Googles, it says Imperial. I think it's also called standard. We'll say yes, just so that we don't have to investigate that anymore. And to save face in case I'm wrong. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not sure if this is the nicest segue into the next story, but it kind of is. I mean, because we're, we're talking about, like, you know, an antiques and old places and the effects mm -hmm. they can have on you. Of. And speaking of, so our next submission comes from Maureen, mm -hmm. and it is about uh, Maureen's visit to Stratford-upon-Avon, the birthplace of William Shakespeare. Let's hear it. While studying in London, a few friends and I decided on a weekend trip to Stratford-upon-Avon for a change of scenery. We set out early on what proved to be a quintessentially perfect English midsummer's day, everything shades of green and blue with cotton candy clouds. We arrived, determined to visit all the historic properties on the Shakespeare circuit. After hitting the highlights, we broke for lunch. As we left the cafe and began walking towards our last stop, the sky turned from perfect blue to a deep, ominous gray in a matter of moments. I could smell the rain coming. We quickened our pace not to be deterred, about a block away from our destination, the sky opened up, our umbrellas no match for the rain's force. We shrieked as a massive peal of thunder rang out above us. Just then, we reached the front door of our final stop, Hallscroft. We must have looked like a trio of drowned rats as we stumbled into the small reception area. The docent, a slight woman who looked to be about sixty, greeted us and gasped about the intensity of the storm. She generously allowed us to stay despite our being soaked but said that the house would have to be closed to further visitors until the weather calmed a bit. Setting battered umbrellas and soap jackets aside, we caught our breath. It was only then that I could take in our surroundings. Hallscroft was the home of Shakespeare's eldest daughter, Susanna, and her husband, Dr. John Hall. Built in 1613, it has no shortage of stories, as I was about to learn. The docent cheerfully informed us that we had the house to ourselves. The day was winding down and no other visitors were inside. She gestured to an adjoining room and invited us to explore on our own. My friends wandered off separately and I made my way into the next room. There's something unsettling about being in such an old house during a storm. The rain sounds different on the old roof and the thick, imperfect window panes. I could hear the wind picking up, beating against the walls. I slowly wandered through a room with a dining table and displays of 17th century medical implements. This was a doctor's home, after all. Having taken in the rooms on the ground floor, I made my way up the staircase. As I reached the top stair, something changed. I stopped in my tracks. I knew I was alone up there, which was both anxiety-inducing and exhilarating. It's not often a tourist gets private access to a place like this. The air felt different, charged somehow. I wondered if it was the storm raging outside, or perhaps just my imagination. I took slow and careful steps down the hall and was about halfway to the room at the end when a deafening clap of thunder made me jump. Just as I recovered enough to feel ridiculous for being so on edge, the track lights on the ceiling flickered and went out. Though still daylight outside, the darkness inside made a significant difference. I froze. 
Part of me wanted to turn around and head back downstairs, but part of me felt compelled to see that room at the end of the hall. I don't know why. I felt drawn to it. I reached the door and stepped over the threshold. It was a bedroom, fully furnished and roped off midway so that guests could get a decent view of the interior. Once inside, my hair stood on end. I'd never felt anything like it. I knew I was not alone in there. Then the draft hit me. I felt a chill so intense I looked to see if a window had been left open. The air traveled from my left side, curled around my back, and stopped. Was I being sized up by something? Something that didn't approve? Along with the chill came a smell, musty but not unpleasant, though the overarching sensation was definitely one of unwelcome. The sudden urge to leave competed with utter paralysis. I just stood there, fixated on the bed and the cradle beside it. I couldn't look away. My chest felt heavy. My skin was ice cold. All at once, unable to take any more, I broke away and walked briskly back to the staircase. As I gained the landing, I noticed the docent directly below, standing as if she had been waiting for me. I must have looked a bit shaken because she asked if I was all right. I told her I was fine, just a bit unnerved to be alone upstairs during a storm. She apologized for the power going out and asked if I'd been in the bedroom at the end of the hall. As matter-of-factly as if she were commenting on the rain, the docent said, It's very active up there, you know. I didn't know. I said I'd felt frozen and deeply unwelcomed, to which she nodded. She then asked if the presence felt male or female. I wasn't sure how to respond, but decided it was perhaps female. Apparently one of the last owners of the house, a woman, fell down this very staircase and died a few days later in that room. The docent went on that this ghost could be a bit territorial, nor was she the only permanent resident of the house. There was also a male presence that for centuries seemed to be protective of the occupants but deeply unfriendly to visitors. My friends reappeared in the entryway completely fine. Needing to catch our ride back to London, we thanked the docent and ran back out into the rain. I asked my friends if they'd had a similar experience in the house, and they laughed. They told me I was just spooked from the storm. But to this day, I have never experienced anything remotely close to what I felt in that room. Years later, I was thinking about the encounter at Hallscroft and began searching online for ghost stories about it. I couldn't find much. I did, however, discover an episode of a paranormal investigative show that airs in the UK. The team of ghost hunters visited the house, and at one point a spoon flew through the air, hitting one of the hosts. The crew swore up and down it wasn't their doing, but I couldn't help but roll my eyes. Just then, however, the docent, the very same woman with whom I'd spoken that day, appeared on screen looking concerned. Perhaps because a valuable artifact from a bygone era had been thrown across the room, or perhaps because she knew from experience that the crew was not welcome in Hallscroft. I saw that episode. Really? Yes. <laughs> I did. It was awesome. I remember that spoon. Oh my god. It's, not, it's not a competition, but I've actually been to this house. It's not, because together we are one. Clean. We make this whole story <laughs> come true. Oh, Ooh. it's a wonderful You know what I love about that story, I think, the most? 
the fact that there is no it's not an overly dramatic or cinematic experience like mm -hmm. the ghost doesn't appear there's no running down the hallway as something's chasing you you know it's nothing like that it's just this deeply unsettling but visceral feeling that something is in there with you mm -hmm. and it does not want you there right because uh, i think like we've it. all experienced that especially if we're sensitive yeah uh, i think you know, those of us who, especially actors, are have a tendency to be more sensitive to energy because that's what we deal in all the time is giving and receiving energy. Very true. It's very sexual. Uh, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. you know... To, is it? <laughs> I've been missing out. <laughs> it just sounds that way. That's all. Uh, but, you know, the that whole concept of going in and then not leaving, right? To, to stop and listen and take a minute to really see what's going on in there. Is it, do you need to get out? Because there are definitely moments when you're like, get out, get out, get out, I need to get out. Sure. And you do need to trust those instincts, but sometimes the fear can outweigh the instinct and the fear is, I don't like this. But maybe if you can overcome that fear to say, do I need to leave? Is that what this is trying mm. to say? Or, you know, is there something else behind it? Well, because I, I think so many ghost stories or stories of the otherworldly tend to sound terrifying, or, or to be fair, to be terrifying to the people experiencing them because perhaps they walk away from them too soon. Right. If she had um, walked away from this immediately, she wouldn't have this story. Exactly. You yeah. know, and imagine if you were like dramatic example. Let's suppose you're sitting there in a ghost. If we're gonna appears. have an example. <laughs> I, feel I mean, like you did just be. evoke actors, so I feel... But, <laughs> and it's um, us talking. Right. But I mean, let's suppose that you, you're sitting here alone one night in this room, cleaning or, or working on the show or whatever, and, and suddenly, you know, there's someone standing behind you. And your first instinct, rightly, would be to get the fuck out of here. But if instead you just sat with it and stayed put... You I don't know, know if I could sit with it. I might be able to stand with it, but I don't know if I could sit. <laughs> but I mean, what what might unfold in in that encounter then? Because you didn't cut it off too shortly. You didn't listen to your terror and leave. Um, you might learn something. I think, and that that's that's what's interesting about ghost encounters of of this kind is that for people that are uncommonly brave enough to plunge all the way in, you kind of run through the the whole panorama of emotions. You go mm -hmm. from shock to uncanny valley to maybe sadness as you begin to understand or kind of form a, a picture of what why this ghost is here and what they want or what they're what they're doing um you know it, it becomes a far more human experience and you realize because I, I i for my part i always find it to be terribly lonely to be a ghost just thinking about being a ghost because most people are terrified of you Mm -hmm. You know, most people, if you if you have the ability to reach out and make contact with them, most people would, I mean, the overwhelming majority of people would choose not to deal with you. Or not to even believe what they're seeing. Right. Yeah. So how lonely that must be and what a, what a treasure it might be for a ghost that's used to being so um, solitary to have someone go, all right, talk to me. Can you imagine, though, this ghost is used to being like, get the fuck out of here, all they think all the, all the energy they throw at someone is, get out of this fucking room! Get out of my room! And then someone's and like, stays. she stays. And the ghost is like, you stay, you pass, stay like it. Like, get out of my room! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny. And then both parties involved learn something. They learn a little thing. They learn, <laughs> it's nice. Maureen, you didn't even know what you were doing for this spirit. And I congratulate you. On a side note, this ginger beer is no joke. My lips are a tingle. Is it, is it the ginger beer? It's the ginger. It's the good the, stuff you got. It's, it's I the, did. I got the good uh -huh. stuff this time. 
It's quite my. I don't, maybe I'm dehydrated. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a little tingly. Mm -hmm. A little tingly too. It's good stuff. It is. Tingly. I'm ready for a ghostly experience. So, side note about Susanna, the daughter of Shakespeare, who, uh, who lived in that house oh, for a yeah. while. Um, the name Susanna at the time of Speaking Susanna's of birth. Speaking of tingly, <laughs> let's talk about Susanna. The, oh, Susanna! <laughs> don't you cry for me, girl. <laughs> Wasn't a terribly popular name. It was. It was a very uh, unique name at the mm -hmm. time. It was a biblical name, but not one you found very often in uh, in England. Um, and it comes from uh, some one of the stories in the Book of David about Susanna and the elders and blah blah blah. But, but Random it signifies information. Michael knows. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I. Uh, but it signified purity. And what's interesting about that is that Anne Hathaway, Shakespeare's wife, was pregnant with Susanna before they got married. Okay, so girl. it's conceivable. Oh, conceive! Uh, it's sex joke. <laughs> it's it's conceivable that the name Susanna was kind of chosen with a bit of a smirk and a knowing wink to kind of gloss over can... the fact that, as Peter Aykroyd, the scholar, puts it, um, that Susanna was born perilously close to the wrong side of marriage. And being Shakespeare, he would have loved the irony of that name. Yeah, I can't imagine it was any other reason. I can't imagine Shakespeare was like. Bible. That's the route we're going. I yeah. can't. I refuse. I refuse to believe. Oh yeah, no, that. no. Yeah, Shakespeare would have been like, let's play with it. Let's give her a name that's totally inappropriate for let's the reality of the circumstances. Uh, let's make it funny. Yeah. <laughs> let's make it something two <laughs> schmucks many hundreds of years later yeah. will talk about on a ghost story podcast. Shakespeare, he was. He very, did. A, he did a great job. He, he was, was effective. He saw. He was ahead of his time. He was, and he nailed it. Is what we're saying. Go Before he was married. Your plays, we can't say for sure, but naming your daughter, very nicely done. <laughs> You've been there. I've been there actually doing a ghost tour, the uh, Stratford Bon Avon. I've seen Shakespeare's uh, final resting place. What's it look like? What's it like? Tell me everything. It's a, it's a very common grave and a very, very British old cemetery. I mean, it looks like something that would be in a Hammer Horror film from the 50s. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. We, we When we saw it, we were traipsing through the cemetery in Stratford-upon-Avon, seeing several uh, notable graves. Uh, the last stop on the tour being Shakespeare, because apparently his grave is supposed to be cursed. Now, I, I haven't... I didn't experience that unless my whole life since then has been a curse, and I just hadn't had the sense to know it. <laughs> Uh, I choose to believe not, because then I would be part of that curse. And I don't like that feeling. Oh, yeah, no, you're no curse. You're hey, no curse. Thank you, You're the Michael. antidote to curses. Aww. Well. You're the band-aid for my broken mirror. Um, is that, that, does that work out as a compliment? Because then you still can't see out of the mirror because there's a band-aid on it. Don't worry, I'll tell you what you look like. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a friend. You're a true friend. Anyway, so... Um, but yeah, I remember distinctly that the bell, they were testing the bells in the church tower mm. in the cemetery, which is on, on you know, it's in the, and they were testing it. And so the bells they were, were going off. They testing the bells? Yeah. Like, was there were, a chance that the bell might not work? It's a fucking bell. I think they, bell. Were, they were replacing some mechanism uh, or something. I, the, the, the tour guide explained it to what's us. What's the mechanism? Was, Isn't it just like a thing, the dingleberry that hits? <laughs> no, no, no. There's, they don't have someone. Well, no, no longer do they have someone actually pulling the rope. I don't believe them. They have a, they have a mechanized system that, that helps nope. them go off. There is time. a monk. Oh no, that's not. Who goes up there face. and pulls that rope? 
and you can't convince me otherwise. No. Well, okay. I don't well, want to they were it. testing the monk, I guess. Maybe there you go. He, <laughs> That's better. He had arthritis. He was just doing some exercise. The new monk. It was a new monk. Um, new monk. He didn't he know. He was in training. But we were in the <laughs> middle of this, in the middle of uh, his little spiel about the grave of Shakespeare. The tour guide was interrupted by these bells, which just started peeling like crazy because they right. were they were spinning on the full mechanism, I guess. And so they just kept going, blah, 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 and it was really crazy and weird to hear the bells going nuts while he was mm. trying to tell us about uh, Shakespeare's really cool. supposedly cursed grave. Why is it cursed? Ah, uh, people say that like, it's not, I don't think it's cursed if you just visit it. I think the, the, the legend is that if people try to like mark it, which is often the case. Mark, they, like pee or, on it? Or kiss it with lipstick, or as they do on Oscar Wilde's grave or Jim Morrison's grave all the time, or if people try to chip little pieces away from it, that they'll be cursed. That's the idea. Do you I, know it, I've never in my life thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna kiss this grave. We, when Brandon and I were in Paris, we went to uh, Pierre Lachaise Cemetery, which mm -hmm. is a famous cemetery, the final resting place of a lot of literary and artistic luminaries like Oscar Wilde. Your favorite. Uh, and his grave is surrounded at about eye level, to about eye level, by a plexiglass barrier because people keep just des not desecrating, like they kiss it, like there's so many, but even now, like we Did saw this. Did you kiss this. that plexiglass? The hell no. Good. Um, well, I wasn't wearing lipstick, so it wouldn't have left a mark, so what would have been but the But also, point? It, your bare lips would have touched that glass. Yeah, in a graveyard. <laughs> I did, you know what it did do? We visited all these these graves, and uh, and Oscar Wilde's grave, there were tons of lipstick marks on the glass. Because his birthday had just been two days prior. Right. And so The day you got engaged. The day I got that engaged. That day? Oh, October 16th. <laughs> uh, and, oh, it's still, it still does not feel real. Anyway, um, but I did, we had uh, metro tickets in our pockets, because you have to buy a book of tickets to use the metro entrances all day. And so I, I used all my, I took all my used tickets and left them under a little stone at the head of at the... No, oh, you left them your trash. No, I left them my a token of the journey there. Your trash. That shit was 15 bucks, it was not trash. Okay. <laughs> Don't stay, not <laughs> trash. Hey, it's better than just some slutty color <laughs> lipstick. On the yes. glass, that has to be no quite. judgment. Some, we're not slut shaming. We're we're filth shaming. Do not kiss where Do other not kiss a grave. Disgusting. It's weird. We don't like germs. Anyway, so you have a submission. I do. I have a submission. Which it's I, two I little bring stories. Because we're talking about William Shakespeare, and mm -hmm. this submission comes from someone named Will. Will. Uh, yes, it was William Shakespeare actually who sent this in. Spoiler alert. Other <laughs> uh, witches. He messaged us beyond the grave. No witches, I was surprised. I messaged him back to send us some more about witches. Um, <laughs> no. We know is, he can deliver. This is from a different Will. I'm sorry to get everybody's hopes up. Uh, when I actually read Shakespeare's story, I'm not going to tell you what it is. He told me he wants to stay anonymous. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, we'll tell you it's Roger Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Bacon. That makes me hungry. Speaking of which, before. While I while I read this story, listen to it, and also order from Shake Shack. What are we getting? Uh, Shake Shack. I've already ordered mine. I got you some fries. Um, <laughs> what did you? I want a chicken sandwich. Yeah, no, just order it. How do I order burgers and chicken? Okay. Yeah, do that while I read this story. When I was in seventh grade, I spent a lot of my days and nights, really, playing Pokemon Guardian Signs for the DS. One day, at around midnight, I was finally putting the game down when I heard something at my open bedroom door. I figured it was just my cat, but out of nowhere, a figure appeared and started walking towards me. 
I noticed as it got closer, the figure was only a pair of legs. No torso, no arms, no head. Just a pair of legs walking my way. I was about to cry when it stopped at my bed and just faced me, doing nothing. After a couple of minutes, it turned away and exited my room through the window. The entire night, I stayed awake in a cold sweat underneath my covers. I still can't get that image out of my mind. Last May, I had to put down my black cat, Binks, who was named Binks after the cat in Hocus Pocus. I loved that cat. We had him since I was four years old. After a few weeks of tears, I finally started to move on. One night, while I was sitting in bed, I heard a meow. I thought it was my younger cat and invited her over onto my bed. I started to pet her and could feel her purring. Just then, the cat I thought I was petting, the very much alive cat, walked in and looked at me. In shock, I looked down to see my Binks moments before he disappeared in front of me. I love that story. The one where the cat is cute. The one with the right. legs is terrifying. Cat not legs. Cat not legs. Hashtag cat not legs. Hashtag cat not legs. Yeah, I love the the two two short short stories. Great stories, mm. Will. One terrifying and one kind of scary, but also comforting at the same time. You know your cat is yeah. still with you. And then the other one, what is with you and why is it in your room and why doesn't it have a body and what is going on? Get out of my room through the window randomly. The window, like you just like, yeah, that's terrifying. I don't yeah. even know what to make of that. Like it's, it's just the idea. For some reason it makes me think of a, a, an old MTV video I saw when I was a kid because my brother used to watch MTV a lot. And there was like a pair of pant legs in it that were just like walking on their own. And I was scared to death of it. It was the most unnatural, weird looking thing. I, mean, mm -hmm. I was a little bitty when I saw it. Well, so this it made an impression. He was in seventh grade, but yeah. not itty bitty. It's not still. itty bitty. That seventh grade is, you know, old enough to still be terrified by a pair of legs without a body. Well, I'd be terrified like by that now. Yeah, <laughs> that's still kind of scary. But yeah. That's... You hear stories, though, about people who will see someone walking through the house and they're just like, mm -hmm. it's like they're cut off at the knees. And then yeah. you find out later yeah. that house was on a different level. Yes. And so the yes. floor was actually higher now than it used to be. Something like that so happened you... to my brother. Uh, that really? It, well, the story, I'll tell the story later, but it was, the, it was, a, it was yeah, the, the story that my brother told me for years about something he saw had that detail of, of someone, appearing someone appearing like they were coming like out of the floor as though, they were, as though they were waiting. Yeah. Um, you know, the floor was like, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. And that so makes you wonder, but then what's going to cut off the top half of your body? Like, what kind of tiny ass roof? Just legs. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah, why would you only see legs unless it was some kind of. Maybe that's an energy thing, though, right? Maybe that's all be. the energy it could get. Yeah. But it's interesting. Do you have a choice? Does, does he have a choice? I'm assuming yeah. the pair of legs are men. Well, I mean, I don't, that's like, not well, fair. You and if, well, I don't want to judge but I mean, gender of those legs. If it's something like, let's say the ghost has an opportunity to communicate, but they have to communicate using only some gesture or something, and maybe they're like, the ghost <laughs> is like, well, how do I say this? Right. You like know. on the other side, or they're like, okay, Sarah, you can finally go see this boy. You can only show a quarter of your body. Are you going to show your arms, your legs, your torso, <laughs> your face? Like, Make a choice. Isn't that horrifying to think of the afterlife as some Which, like terrible bureaucracy? It's so like going to the airport. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Like, and you're like, shit, okay. Very much Beetlejuice. In my mind, that's yeah. what happens. It's a <laughs> very Beetlejuice afterlife experience. <laughs> Ter- that's, that's how it is. <laughs> that's terrifying. Now I'm terrified of those legs for a different reason. Yeah, because they had to wait to only be able to show their legs. Oh, you know like, what I mean? That's terrible. Maybe, oh God, maybe the afterlife is dominated by the same like socioeconomic concerns you have in life. And they're like, oh, you can't afford to be a full body operation. So yeah, we'll give you the benefits package. You get to be like a sound. <laughs> or just someone's name being you called. You get to or be a, a pair of legs. <laughs> so, so a pair of legs is decidedly middle class. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm God. sorry about that, ghost. <laughs> leg spirit, if you're listening to oh, us right now. God. I'm sorry that you can only show your legs. Circus now I feel like, though, for... I hope to fucking God Jack is home. He is. I hear him. <laughs> Thank God, Jesus, I mean, we heard him like... last time, but... Wait, I'm just gonna call down. <laughs> Is that Jack? Yes, okay. We're finishing up. Just wanted to make sure you were real. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to revisit. We don't want to revisit. So, anyway, legs. <laughs> well, I talk about being lonesome and like oh, that's yeah. how do you share that story with anybody? Because it's like I saw a pair of legs. No one's gonna fucking believe you. I know. We believe you will. I believe will because I mean, who would try to make something like that up? It's ridiculous. It's just really weird. But yeah, um, and it makes you wonder why. why? There was an old, there was an old ghost story. One of uh, um, M. R. James, the granddaddy of of literary ghost stories, wrote a book called The Ghost of a Hand, in which the only thing anyone can see of this ghost was a hand. But it wasn't like a hand floating in in Is that where Los the Manos air. Comes from? It was. I don't know. Maybe I just think Los You Manos know, I know a girl in high school. <laughs> she was terrified of hands because she had seen that movie when at a really young age. Uh, so if she had too many hands in her face, she would have a full on panic attack. Which means the rest of us put our hands in our face at any available moment. I mean, I would have a panic attack at too many hands in my face even if I hadn't seen that movie. Right. Hers was exceptional. And, <laughs> in my opinion, and, very put on. And you believed in immersion therapy. I did. Well, no, I believe she was full of shit and she just wanted attention. <laughs> and so I was like, if she wants attention, let's give her attention. So <laughs> we went to Falls Creek. The Christian camp. Oh, I've been to False Creek. Um, we probably, we found we're out prob- we've yeah. been at the same we're time. We're probably at the same time. Any Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas were... kid, <laughs> if you grew up in a Baptist church or had friends who did, you'd go camping there. Um, that's so Amen. All the good Christians lose their virginity at False Creek. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, but she was in her bunk sleeping, and <laughs> uh, we all, like, ten of us circled the bunk and put our hands above her face and then called her name and when she woke up she just had like 20 hands shaking You're in front of her face. You're a terrible friend. I didn't say she... I said I knew this girl. I did not... Anyway, it was just so over-the-top dramatic. Mm-hmm. I have never had patience for... Like, when it's genuine... You there? It comes from a genuine place, so it right, seem right. And you don't like to actively to be... get attention for it. She actively got attention about. I think people that are generally phobic. Of, I mean, in my experience, I'm not trying to generalize, but in my experience, uh, when someone is genuinely terrified of something or generally phobic of something, they're embarrassed by it. Yeah, you know, they yeah. they tend to just like avoid situations and not bring it up a lot because it's just. And but it's also it's also fun to pretend to be scared of something because people will be like, oh my god, are you okay? Because you can be like, I'm not like other people. This thing scares me. Take I'm care special. of me. I'm special. I'm special. Yeah, it's I'm a, like, it's a you cheap, are special. Let me it's, help you. It's a, it's kind of a bargain basement way to feel special. 
Yeah, I've I done it. Never, I mean, I've been there. I, I know that yeah, feeling. Yeah, I just it's, had no patience for it. And so this well, was... Well, good was, for you for thank calling you. her out. I did. I hope that she's I, not... I hope that... Terrible. Maybe she didn't have a, a fear of hands until that moment. That's what you call poetic I'll, justice. It's, I'll give you something to be afraid of. <laughs> That's what it is. But yeah, but M.R. James's story, The Ghost of a Hand, it's it's really clever. The ghost, the hand isn't just like floating in the dark. It's like a hand they just ever, they only ever see a hand like on the, like around a door or like between family? cushions or something. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> It's terrifying though. Yeah, like, that, like no one if you're not the story like it. that before. And so everyone's like, "What's the? Why is it just the hand? Why is it a ghost of a hand?" It's a really a fun story. Um, Did the hand get cut off? I don't remember. Is it's it been so long since I've read the story. These are the questions I ask. I don't know. Why I, have to go why I don't know. I think it's. I think they just. They never. I don't know that they ever figure out what did it. I think it was just like, oh, it's a hand or something. Those are the things I want to know. I want the history of that hand. Well, it was just, it was a fictitious ghost story. I don't care. I want the history of it. So, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discover the sound of one hand clapping. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> I bet somebody, I bet people who do that one hand clapping thing who are listening are all doing it right now. You I know they are. I hope you I are. I hope you are. I hope at least one person is snapping. Just in. Just to be different. I like it. Yeah. We like you, snapper person. We do. All right. Well, <laughs> that's all for today's episode of Ghoul Intentions. Thank you so much for listening. We've talked about this on our chat, mm-hmm. uh, on, mm-hmm. on our Twitch. So some of you who uh, join us on Twitch are already as hyped for this as we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Wednesday, October 31st, <sighs> otherwise known as motherfucking Halloween. On Halloween. We will be live streaming our ghost story game, which is called A Hundred Candles on Twitch. Yes. Uh, the Hundred Candles game is, it's actually Japanese. Yes. Which means it's terrifying. Um, <laughs> you light a hundred candles mm-hmm. and um, tell a hundred ghost stories. And for ever, so my house is going to be a complete and utter fire hazard. But. <laughs> and, and by the end of it, also a Grand Central Station for ghosts. Absolutely. So, yeah, every time you tell a ghost story, you blow out a candle. So, by the very last ghost story, you tell the last ghost story, you blow out the candle, you're in complete darkness. And what they say is when you blow that last candle out, you will be in a room with a hundred ghosts. We have several people joining us, other than us and our and our significant others, our fiancés. Our, I can our say that fiancés. Now. Um, <laughs> so we have other people you may have heard of joining us. Yes. So tune in to find out who those people are. We're super excited about it. You can find us on Twitch at just search Google Intentions and you'll be able to find us and we'll be on there being ridiculous. I'm not sure what time it's going to start. I feel like it should start earlier, even though we got time. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking six o'clock. Is That's a good time. It's we'll a good time. Six o'clock central. We did this last year. Of course, we didn't live stream it because no. it was long before we the podcast became a reality. But we did this last year and this is beyond a doubt the best way to spend a mm-hmm. Halloween evening. It's just so much fun. If the I, I don't know, it's it was one it's of really my great. favorite things. It's a with the Wednesday. Candles. What are you doing? Yeah. This is what I'm, and I've done this for years. I've had people come over. Actually, you always come over. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. On Halloween, we make Moscow mules usually, and we tell ghost stories. Yep. We just hang out. I make beef stew. It's pretty spicy. And then we just have a good. We time. call it stew. Stew. That's right, because <laughs> we're nerds. So join us on Twitch this Wednesday. We do Twitch every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central. But this this 
we'll Wednesday be will be at Halloween 6 special. Halloween special. Live stream Twitch Halloween. 100 camp. Halloween. So you, can, you can get your ghost story fixed yes. with us. Please, please join us. It's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. And um, and the stories are going to be really cool because we, yeah. we come up with some good stories. And some of them are short because we have to get through 100. And some of them are long. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are personal stories or whatever. Like, it's good times. Good mm-hmm. times. So and we'll be drinking. Us. So, ha <laughs> <laughs> So by the 100th story, we'll be like, boo, this shit happened. Yeah, that's right. Blow the candle, Jamie. Exactly. It'll be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so yeah, and there's that. And then also just remember to go to ghoulintentions.com for links to our social media sites, the blog, which I swear to God I will get up today before long. Mm. Uh, you can listen to previous episodes. <laughs> and more importantly, where you can submit your own personal supernatural experience for consideration to be read on future episodes of Ghoul Intentions. All right. Uh, so what's the sign-off quote for today, Jamie? Am I going right. to get it? I don't think so. You have to look away. This is, to, it's, this is a bit I'm it looking away. I'm looking away. I have to pull it up. Now, here's what's fun is I told my mom about it, mm-hmm. and she's really excited about helping me. I love up. how this has become a thing where like, yeah. everyone wants to stop so me. This is a submission from my mother. A quote <laughs> submission. She keeps calling me and being like, ooh, I have a new one. <laughs> so <cool. laughs> I know. It's really funny. So I gotta open it though. I wasn't ready. Right, I had right. everything I'm pulled not up looking. this. I'm not looking. Mm. It's no fun if I cheat. All right. My mind is aglow with the whirling transient nodes of thought careening through a cosmic vapor of invention. <laughs> what? Wait, say it again. Say it okay. again. Okay. Oh, okay, I can't. I'm not looking. My mind is aglow with the whirling transient nodes of thought careening through a cosmic vapor of invention. Oh my god, that's another beautiful quote. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. What is it from? What is it from? It's, it's... from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a Harvey Corman as Hedley LeBar. <laughs> Okay, never yes! in a million years. So good. She'll be <laughs> delighted to know that. I can't wait to tell her. She's super excited. Oh my god. Okay, well, yeah. you stumped me. I did! I got you! Yay! Thanks for listening, everyone! Thank you, everyone, for listening. Oh, oh, and we have a new tagline. I love this one. Yeah, I wanted to... We needed. We decided, actually, we needed a tagline. Ta- a tagline. And it is, hold on, you guys are the first to hear it. Here we go. Remember, it's okay to sleep with the lights on. Do you want to try it together? Yes. Okay, let's try it. Remember, Remember, it's it's okay okay to sleep sleep with with the the lights lights on. on.